to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is our own pianist in residence, Sam Page. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And I'm especially happy that I can talk at all. I mean, let me tell you, us today, you, you guys know, my throat was kind of scratchy. This morning I woke up, I couldn't even utter a sound. So this is actually good news that I can do a podcast today. And it's even better news because I have my good friend Sam Page on the show with us, who's going to do a little <laughs> improv for us in just a moment. And we also have a special guest, as usual, Kevin Palmieri, who is the host, well, actually co-host, I guess, of the Next Level University podcast. Really interesting storyline with this guy. We're going to learn a whole, bu- whole lot about him in just a moment. But first, got to go to Sam. And, and Sam, you and I were chatting before the show about, well, okay, what have you prepared today? And you were saying, well, I kind of prepared something. So have you figured out what you prepared for today? It's, um, I'll call it an improvisation on a familiar theme. Okay. All right. Well, we can go with that. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Page. Sam always oh, does stuff you. that sounds very cheery and upbeat and makes you feel good when you're all done hearing it. That's why I, one of the reasons I love Sam so much. Plus, he's been a long-time listener, so I love him for that, too. Mm. But, yeah, that was great. Thanks so much for doing that, Sam. Oh, that was okay. wonderful. And as I mentioned, our guest today is Kevin Palmieri. And, and Kevin has been doing his podcast for, for quite some time, five, six years now. He's done over 900 episodes, which I know something about myself because, as you guys know, I've done a few. And, and so I think we're going to have a lot in common to talk about here. But first of all, Kevin, I got to say thank you for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing better than I am because my throat <laughs> is barely functioning. But how's it going? I'm, it's going very well. I've never seen a live piano performance while being on a podcast before. So, Sam, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. It's, it's a wonderful day. Happy to be here. I appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to chatting about all things. I think I am, too. I think we're all interested in finding out more about you, too, and your your partner in crime there, because you've been doing it with a co-host now. Tell us a little bit about Alan. What's he like? Oh, man. So I, when Alan and I speak on the same stage at different times, I always go on and say, I am nothing like Alan. So Alan went to, <laughs> he went to one of the best universities in the school, uh, in the world. He went to uh, WPI, Worcester Polytechnical Institute. Oh, yeah. So he went to computer and science engineering. And then he went and got his MBA later. So he is very much the opposite of me. Did all the college stuff, went to corporate America. Uh, I bounced around from job to job to job, never went to college. But he is the the brains behind a lot of our business and our success. And it took me a long time to openly admit that because the ego part of me wants to think that I did it myself. But he he has been my mentor since him and I reconnected five years ago. And I'm very blessed to have somebody like him in my corner and somebody that I can lean on and ask questions. And I'm just blessed that he's my business partner, honestly, because I wouldn't be able to do this alone at the, the way I'm doing it now, for sure. I know that. I love that. That's really great. Now, now I'm also going to tease him a little bit too, by pointing <laughs> out that you are the CEO. 
Not the college. No, no, I'm the, I'm the CFO. He's the CEO. Oh, he's the CEO. You're the CFO. He's the CEO. So so you're in charge of the money, basically. Yes. Yes. I'm very, I'm money driven. And that's, that's an interesting thing about Alan. I, one time I said to Alan, I said, Alan, you will be the best speaker living under a bridge because you don't care about (laughs) making money. Like we got to start making money as a business. And Alan's really good at charting the, the future. He's really good. He is connected to something that I'm not. He knows where we're going to be in 20, 30, 40 years. He is just, that's the way he is. And for me, I think about money all the time because I understand that money is a driving force for any, any business, particularly one that is reliant upon impacting people. You have to have gas to put in the car to get to the destination. So that is my focus every day is how do we make money in the way that we love making money, helping other people. And that's my main, my main jam. I love that. I actually, I should probably hire you because I mean, I've done the podcast here for love, just for pure love. And I finally, yeah. in the last year or two, realized, yeah, I should probably be making some money doing this thing. For sure. So, so I, I should be talking to you. I should be learning more about you. Maybe we'll do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I'll pick up some stuff just by talking to you here on the show today. But yeah, that's I think the that's goal. An important piece of it. Yeah, that's yeah. Really I, I, I think that a lot of people. I always say some people put their peas in the wrong order. They chase something that is profitable. And they try to convince themselves that they're passionate about it. I did that in the past for sure. And I think if you just switch that and you find something that you're really, really, really passionate about and you try to stay in the pool long enough to learn how to swim and make it profitable, I think that's just a much better, a much better life. I I made right. And I think so many people are not taught that, though, because it's it looks bad and it looks like you're losing for a long time. But when you. Even when you're quote unquote losing, if you're more fulfilled and more aligned than you would be if you were winning in something else, then you're not losing at all. It's just it's delayed gratification. I'm trying to remember when it was exactly. I think it was sometime last summer. My, my wife and I live in Connecticut, so we're in New England and we spend time okay. on the shoreline. And I, I think we were actually in Cape Cod at that point. I don't remember for sure. But we were in a, a sort of a resort town, lots of gift shops and that kind of thing. And my wife was buying something. And as she was uh, checking out at the counter, I got to chatting with the young lady who was behind the counter and learned that she was just getting ready to attend her first year of university. And I asked her, uh, so what are you going to study? And, and she was undecided what she wanted to study. Um, she was trying to figure out what would make the most money for her. And I mm-hmm. said, well, have you ever thought about pursuing something because you love it and then try to find the money after that? And she says, wow, nobody ever says that anymore. That pretty much summarizes yeah. what you're talking about right there. hundred percent, a hundred percent, because yeah. I'm sure somewhere, and I don't know, I haven't, I haven't learned your full story, Walt, but I'm sure somewhere in your life, you learned that lesson. And now you're trying to pass that on to other people. I think everybody wants to find the, the money. Everybody wants the most amount of money. And you can say money doesn't buy happiness, but everybody wants to find out for themselves, myself included. I found that out the hard way. And then I started over completely being broke. And even when I was, in $35,000 worth of debt, I was under a lot of pressure and I was stressed out for sure, but I was more fulfilled doing a mission that was greater than me. And I, I just think that's an important thing to tap into. And usually it takes some sort of life event for you to get there. Somebody yeah. saying on a podcast usually doesn't do it because there has to be enough necessity and you have to question your existence. And But when that happens, it usually reframes people. And there's there's so many stories of that. 
Absolutely true. Yeah. In fact, I think that's that's the recurring theme, isn't it? I'm sure you've had that with guests on your program. We yeah. have had the same thing with guests on my program. Um, yes, I've been through the same kind of crash as you were describing. Yes, mm-hmm. I was pursuing the dollars. Yes, it led to me c- crash and burning completely. Yes, it led me to being depressed. Yes, it led me to being deep in debt, twice as, debt as, as big as what your debt was. And that would have been bad enough, to be perfectly honest. And I was miserable. And, I, and all that I had been taught growing up had proven to be wrong because I had been taught. All you have to do is work hard and you'll be rewarded. But it's a lie. And it's, it's the yeah. most vicious kind of lie because it's a lie told from love. Yeah, I am convinced that there's so many. So this is what happens. And this is something that we get asked all the time. How do I get over my fear of judgment, particularly by the people close to me? This is my answer. Understand mm. that they don't, they don't know what you actually want. They just want you to stay safe. What I am right. doing is statistically going to lead to failure. Just It just is. Statistically, most people don't make it. Most people don't make it to where we have with the podcast, with the monetization. Statistically speaking, you telling me not to do this is trying to keep me safe. And I empathize with that. I really do because I understand part of my story, Walt, part of my story, Sam, at one point in my life, my girlfriend who I was with wanted to go across the country and chase her dreams. So I actually live in New Hampshire, so I'm not too far from you all. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to move across the country to California and chase her dreams. I wanted her to stay safe. I was not growth mindset Kev like I am today, and I gave her every reason in the book not to do it. I know from both sides. I have, I have the perspective from each side of the wall, and I can, I can understand. People just don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you fail. And at a deep level, too, they don't want to be left behind. And if you're going to go chase your dreams, Walt, you might not need me like you once did because maybe we're not going to hang out and do what we used to do. Maybe you want to do what you do now. And I can understand. I empathize more than I ever have. And it took me a while to get there and experience on both sides. But it's it's important to understand that. I don't know about you. I'm imagining that part of what got you there is certainly what got me there, which is having so many different people to talk with on the podcast. Because you get yeah. enough perspectives going on, you learn things, especially if you end, end up interviewing, and this inevitably happens, I don't care what podcast you have. If you interview a bunch of people, you're inevitably going to be talking with somebody you disagree with, and perhaps even strongly. And those mm-hmm. are the ones you learn from the best. Yeah. Not that, not that you struggle. It's, it's not like you walk away from it saying, oh, wow, I totally agree with them now. That's not the way it works. Yeah. But they make you think differently. Yeah. They make you look at stuff for, differently. And then you yeah. pick up a little tidbit here and a little idea there, and then you start piecing it together over time. Yeah. Right? It's really helped us figure out our identity because success leaves clues. And there's a lot of people that, and I don't mean this in any ego way, but there's a lot of people who kind of get lucky. It just is the way it is. Some people mm-hmm. do get lucky, and then they try to teach other people based on, well, this is what I did. But you got to understand, if you didn't have that stroke of luck, if you didn't have that thing go viral – you wouldn't be able to teach people anything because you wouldn't have the result. And oftentimes we'll get off the podcast and we'll just, Alan and I will have a conversation and we've really honed in who we'll have on. We're very picky at this point, but Mm. we'd get off the show and say, that's not true. What that person said, the weight didn't just (laughs) fall off. You did something, something had to change. It's not the way it, it works. And we realize that there's a lot of people who are against hard work. They're against talking about hard work for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I think for a long time we were talking a lot about grind, 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 don't sleep. 
right? As a, as a whole, particularly in the entrepreneurial space. And a lot of people burnt out and a lot of people didn't like that. I think, same. I think we, <laughs> we tend to go too much on the other side of, well, you know what? Now I only do what I want when I feel like doing it. Is there a place for that? Absolutely. Will you achieve the maximum level of results? No, you, you can't. It doesn't work that way. When you go to the gym, you either lift a weight that is hard and get results or you lift a weight that's easy and pretty much stay the same. And I do believe life is, is very similar in that. It's an interesting analogy you're using, the idea of lifting a weight being an equivalent metaphor for working on a business. Mm. That essentially, you're building muscle. I, mean, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but there, that's, that's a valid metaphor because, yeah. I mean, you may not be deliberately trying to build muscle specifically, but in the long run, you're building muscle just because that's what happens when you learn how to do anything better. You just yeah. have to keep doing it over and over again. That's going to build a muscle. And the, the gym, Alan and I are both bodybuilders, fitness competitors in the past. So the gym is something we're very, we, we reference metaphor. a lot. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great metaphor for us, but I think that's the one place you can't fake it. I can't go to the gym and say, like, I can lift this weight and then not be able to lift the weight. The, the weight doesn't care. Well, you can it's say gonna it. Get, <laughs> I can say it, right? But, but I can't fake it. I can't yeah. fake it. And I do believe building a business, it's the same thing. Human capability comes from having some sort of resistance and becoming capable of overcoming the resistance. And then you raise the resistance. Then you raise the resistance. When people say it should be easy, I believe that they're leaving so much potential on the table because if it's easy, you have more to give. And if you have more to give, you have more results to get. And a lot <laughs> of people don't, they don't do that. Bless you all. Excuse and me. I just think, I think that we're being a little bit misled in some ways by some people, but just on the other end. I saw a video recently from Steve Harvey who said, look, if you only get four hours of sleep a night, you only get four hours of sleep a night. Steve, that's not sustainable. That's not holistic. That's not true success. So, I do believe that you just have to filter the advice you get. If you're listening to this, filter my advice. You shouldn't just listen to what I say because I'm where I am. That, you know, I think it's very important to take a step back and, and do this, the thinking for yourself and say, what is actually true for me here? Yeah, I agree with that. that, that that's what I meant by the perspectives, because I think having all the different perspectives, you may not agree with them, but boy, you're going to get some ideas, yeah. ideas you never thought about, never occurred yeah. to you. I remember yeah. um, my, my earlier steps, uh, like you, I started off, you know, kind of actually for me, it was a little bit erratic with my first year. I was just like, whoever could get on a show, okay, we're doing a show that day. And then I started doing it more with a weekly thing because I found one of the guys who I had interviewed turned out to be a good co-host. So he became a regular co-host. And him, like you, he is also a gym guy. He's, he's a bodybuilder. And mm -hmm. he used the same kinds of metaphors over time. One of the things that he talked about a lot was the difference between struggle and suffering. Mm. And I always thought it was a really interesting take on things. Since then, I've learned that a lot of people have the same take. I did not. Mm. I, I, it, it was not something I'd ever thought about. But the more that I did think about it, the more I realized it, it made a lot of sense. It, it's, it's one of those things that's a little bit counterintuitive the first time you hear about it. Because, I mean, well, if you're struggling, you're not really getting anywhere. That's what it seems like. And very often, people who struggle are suffering in the process. So it's often hard to differentiate between the two. But once you do differentiate between them, then you begin to realize struggle is just another way of saying working. It's a different word. It's a different way of thinking about it. But it's really the same thing. Hmm. What's your take now, Walt? So do you believe that s suffering is a choice? Yes. Yeah. Totally. And, and 
I think I kind of always believed that, but I had previously equated suffering with struggle, so I thought struggle was a choice. And, so, and I thought you really wouldn't have to struggle to get where you wanted to go. Mm. But then I came to realize sometimes you do. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's actually better to not struggle. Sometimes it's better to just sit back and kind of release stuff. It just depends what it is you're trying to accomplish. But there are other circumstances in which you just have to struggle if you really want to get it where you want to get to. So for me, I, I kind of take it like, what's the scenario? If the scenario calls for some struggle to get where I want to go to, okay, I'm willing to do it. I just want to make sure I'm going to get there. If I'm not going to get there, the struggle is out. Forget it. I'm not going to. I've put myself through that before. I've been down that road. So I'm really cautious about that one. <laughs> do you think? Do you think it has to do with the the ultimate goal that you're shooting for. I did a, a call. It was supposed to be a free, mm. I do free podcast calls to help podcasters. Mm-hmm. And it evidently wasn't what I expected because the person I got on the phone with tried to sell me on their coaching. And <laughs> it was, it was weird. But one of the things this person said was, Kev, do you really want to work seven days a week and like go to the gym? And I said, yes, that's why, I, yes, that's why I do it. <laughs> I, I, I said, you have to understand. And I, I mean this with all the respect to, the, to this person I was on the phone with. I'm not trying to have a successful business. I'm trying to change the world. There's a big difference between me trying to get $500,000 a year and trying to put personal development in the pocket of every person on the planet. If there's no suffering that comes with that, I don't think we're going to do it. I just don't think it's possible to do that without suffering. So I've heard that and I just, I'm not there yet. I don't know that I will be, but I think, I think that that the understanding in the, in the layer below of, well, if you can change your mindset and your perspective of what it is, I don't know that most people are there in terms of being able to truly shift that mindset. I think that's the belief I have currently, at least. Well, certainly that is not where most people are right now. Yeah. They're certainly not at a place where that, that that's definitely an advanced concept. It's not something I would introduce to somebody. I mean, I'm not a coach. I don't try to do coaching. But mm-hmm. if I was a coach, that's not something I would introduce in you know the first lesson, in the yeah. first uh, coaching call. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be reserving that for later on. But what I also know is that there is a difference between uh, struggle and suffering in the sense that people will choose to suffer thinking that suffering will get them what they want, and it doesn't. Okay, fair. And that's where I think the real challenge comes in is identifying what do we actually mean by suffering? Mm. I, there's a great story that my friend told me that I'll relay briefly to you. He was, he was telling the story about a guy who was on a plane taking a, taking a ride, commercial plane. And the guy was seated, seated next to a guy who was from Poland. And they got into a conversation. And in the course of the conversation, the guy said to his Polish friend, you know, I, I really admire you people. You, you, you've suffered so much over the years. You've been invaded by so many countries. You've been uh, dealing with all kinds of ty- tyrants, all, all kinds of stuff just because of where you're geographically situated. I, I just admire you for all the ways you, you have managed to suffer and survive. And his uh, colleague got all upset about it and said, no, we have struggled, but we have never suffered. It was a point of pride with him. So again, what does suffering mean to you? I think that's really what it comes down to. I think for some people, suffering is actually a badge of honor. I think for other people, suffering is a life because they don't know any other life. And I think for a significant segment of those two populations, suffering is unavoidable, regardless of whether you get to your goal, regardless of whether you get what you want, and regardless of whether you even get clear about what it is that you want. 
And I think that's probably where the real differentiator comes in. Are you yeah. clear about what you want? Because if you're not clear, you are likely going to suffer and you're likely not going to get to wherever you want to go because you don't know where you want to go. Yeah. And I think I'm guilty. I lose sight for sure. The law of familiarity creeps in and I forget how clear I'm very grateful to be as clear as I am in terms of, in terms of like the goals and all that. We went to a very big event, the Brenda Burchard event. And this was like three or four years ago. And we got in groups and they said, on a scale of one to 10, I want you to write how clear you are on your future. And I think I put like an eight and I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good. Like all things considered. And I was very, very taken aback when I saw threes and fours and the rest of the group. And I realized that not a lot of people do know what they want their future to look like. And that's very, that's very understandable. They did a, and again, I don't know the book. I don't remember the book, but they did a test where they put people into an fMRI machine. And they said, I want you to imagine yourself five years from today. And they equated it to those people trying to imagine somebody else. They couldn't do it. They couldn't take their brains and, and put themselves five years into the future and have an understanding of what that would look like. It equated to them thinking of somebody else's life. So honestly, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. I don't think humans are really, really wired to think that far ahead unless they have some sort of you know, differentiator, whether it's something in their childhood or they're blessed with something. I know that's not the way I normally thought, particularly in the beginning. I had no clue what was going to happen or what I wanted. So I very much understand. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Sam here for a second, because first of all, Sam is a relatively new co-host. He joined the show a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago. And and Sam, you're, I, as usual, you're smiling, which usually means that you're loving what the conversation is about. Uh, but I'm oh, yeah. sure this is also <laughs> in some way you're tying into yourself. Do you find yourself in suffering mode and if so, what does that mean to you? Not so much these days, but definitely in the past, there was plenty of suffering, and it was just like I couldn't see a way out of what I was struggling with. Oh, see? <laughs> and when I think of struggling, I think that it could mean like you're overcoming an obstacle, which ultimately serves your growth and expansion. Suffering, you're kind of just sitting in this, um, sitting in this space, and maybe in a way, not that you don't want to get out of it, but you just are like, more comfortable in this space of suffering and it's familiar. So you almost are holding on to it for that reason. And you can't really even consider another, an alternative way of being. Yeah. So there's a really interesting perspective as well on what suffering is. That's the thing about the word. This word means a lot yeah. of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. yeah. And as usual, we you have, have to a... kind of zero in. What, what do you actually mean? What, what does it mean yeah. to you? We, we have a framework. So it's interesting when we talk about sacrifice and struggle. We, so it's, uh, sorry, um, ours is sacrifice, struggle, suffer, success. And okay. I learned that from a, uh, he's a former Olympic medal, uh, gold medalist in wrestling. And he was a mixed martial arts uh, artist champion, Henry Cejudo, multi time, very, very talented fighter. But that's what he said. He said it's the four S's. He said, and equate it to a relationship. If you are in a relationship that isn't serving you, what is the first thing that you have to do? If you decide this isn't for me, you have to make a sacrifice. And you have to say, honestly, this isn't for me. I have to walk. Then what happens? Well, you start to struggle. You start to have opportunities that maybe aren't aligned and you start to get lonely, but you got to keep going. And then you get to the point where you've made these sacrifices and it doesn't seem like anything is coming your way. And you have those thoughts of, you know what, maybe I'm going to be single forever. And I think to your point, Walt and Sam, I think when it feels hopeless, that's when you feel like you're suffering because there's no progress. 
it doesn't feel like there's any progress. So I do in this in this conversation, Walt and Sam, you have helped me understand that perspective in a different way, which I think is always the the goal of these anyway. So yeah, very powerful. Absolutely, because why why do these shows if, if you're not learning as well as passing right? along learning, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was that was my motivation for getting mine started. I've, I've mm-hmm. said this a few times on the show, but I got it started because of uh, being in the kind of situation you were describing. I was deep in debt. My, I, I had a business that had been running since the early 2000s that crashed with the 2008 financial crisis because I was servicing very small nonprofit organizations. And in the financial crisis, nobody wants to give money to a, a small nonprofit organization. So all my clients went, goodbye. And my business went, goodbye. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, what just happened? <laughs> it was quite the uh, the struggle. And, and for the next four years, I was just like floundering, trying to get back on track again, largely because my old dream had just gotten blown out of the water and I didn't know what my new dream was. And partly because I didn't know how to handle something like that. I had never, I mean, I, I had had stuff crash before, but I never had my entire income wiped out. And until you've gone through that, that that's an entirely different kind of experience. I mean, I had, I had created a business in the, in the mid nineties. Uh, this was back when uh, long distance services actually mounted to something and you had, you know, mm-hmm. you had to pay a fee for that. So I'd been selling a discount long distance service through a website that I had created. I was one of the first people to kind of create something like that. And then the 2000 telecom crash came. But I had another income. So, yeah, I didn't like that too much. But coming out of that was not difficult. But when you lose everything all at once, that's an entirely different experience because the the, the rent still has to be paid. The food has to be bought, bought and paid for. And you're just going deeper and deeper in debt, and you're trying to, to basically learn how to swim while you're going down. Yeah. And it's kind of like the old joke about the, 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 the way that entrepreneurs actually invent. They, they try to invent the airplane with a box of parts while they're falling out of the sky. Mm. You know, it's, it's like it's a hell of a way to invent an airplane. Yeah. yeah, I suppose you could probably do it, but it's not really your first choice. <laughs> yeah. I think you need the necessity. I think, I think for a lot of people, it's just that required necessity. That's one thing I'll say is one of the, I mean, obviously, the biggest benefit of having a podcast that has 900 episodes in five years is we've learned so much, right? Obviously, we've had to learn so much, but there's been so many iterations of, I started coaching for free, zero zero dollars an hour. That turned into 50 bucks, turned into 100, turned into 150. And then one day, somebody gave me this idea to start a podcast service that helped podcasters. I never had that. That was never a goal. I never aspired to that. I didn't know it was possible. We were flying and somebody said, Hey, we got these, there's these new wings. You ever thought of putting these on? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll give that a try. So I sure. think to your point also, Walt, it's never, it's never too early. It's never too late. It's never too good to reinvent the, the airplane, even if it's not flying through the sky headed towards the ground. Like it, it was when the, the carpet got pulled out from underneath you. I think that's, I, I had a similar situation, not like that. And I, I don't know that our circumstances were the same. I didn't have a family. My, my expenses were very low because I had set myself up. But I left my, my job and went full-time into podcasting more by choice than, than necessity. But I can imagine it's not, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. I, I think the biggest part is that it's confusing. Mm. Because everything that I thought that I knew turned out to not be true. Well, not everything, but regarding how to get that business going and keep it going and, be, and that it was going to continue to be successful, all my assumptions proved to be wrong, despite the fact that I'd had success. 
that was the most confusing part about it. I mean, if I had not had success, if I had you know started and right out of the gate, nothing was really happening, that would have been one thing. But to actually have the, the success and find that, that I was getting clients and I was getting more and more clients until the whole thing fell apart and then all of a sudden there were no clients to be had, that was confusing. Because mm. where do you learn from that? I mean, it took me a while. I finally got a handle on it, but it took it took four or five years to come out of that one. And meanwhile, we're struggling to survive. So I think yeah. that's COVID. COVID's done the same to a lot of people. Sure. I think of oh yeah, it digital, and that's the thing is like if you had a brick and mortar business, the lesson is I have to find some way to be more scalable and more global, and that's just right. it's a challenge for a lot of people. I know a lot of people don't they didn't understand the tech and they didn't understand it's it is it's that. It's that turning over of the soil of, okay, it's time for me to learn new things and new, new tech and new knowledge and new <laughs> skills and all that. Bless you again, Walt. Excuse and, me. <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> this, worries. This call is, is out of nowhere, but it's <laughs> no going to go away soon. Don't worry about it. Yes. It's, you're on your way back to health is what I, we right. always say. Well, you're all, like on your way back to health. But yeah, it's, the landscape will continue to change forever. It's just it's always going to. Right? That's just the way it goes, especially with technology. We're accelerating at such a fast rate that and Walt, yeah. you probably know that at a deeper level. Clearly, you were in the tech space earlier. That than was. I. Yes. And, and not just with the space in my background either. Yeah, I, I was an <laughs> IT guy. <laughs> that was my background before I went entrepreneur. And yeah, mm. it does definitely help a lot. But even when you've got that, I mean, your partner, I'm sure, knows this. He's got a degree from WPI, for goodness sake. But even when you know all the tech, it's not like it's all just an easy roadmap for you. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, I totally get where someone is coming from, where they are not tech savvy, where there may even be some tech phobia going on. That's even yeah. harder. But even if you yeah. got the background, I mean, I now, in a sense, I've been pursuing something here lately that you really don't need to do. I've been trying to hook Zoom to StreamYard. Mm -hmm. And do you really need to do that in order to have a podcast? No, not really. But yeah. it was an interesting challenge. And oh, my God. I mean, it, it kind of sucks you in, in one sense, if you like doing that kind of thing, because it was insoluble. I mean, there are no YouTube videos. I look for them. I check them all out. None of them tell you how to do this. <laughs> it's not part of the curriculum. So yeah. you have to kind of invent as you're going along. That's the way it was for me when I first started my podcast. There was no Zoom. YouTube barely had anything going on. Um, basically, your choice at that point, I, I started about 10 years ago. Your choice at that point was Google Hangouts, which would crash every five minutes. Yeah. You know, that, that was about it. Either that or else you're talking by yourself into a mic. I actually found a little piece of software that allowed me to tap my own phone. That's how I ended up doing interviews at first, just by tapping my mm. own phone line. And then, of course, the, the technology's caught up and started doing some cool things. And that made it a whole lot easier. But that, so the question becomes, okay, I did have a, a tech background that enabled me to solve pro problems that other people would not be able to solve. But by the same token, I was able to solve it in part because of persistence. And yeah. this is uh, this is my way of taking it back to what we were talking about before. We were talking about struggle and suffering. I really think the bigger angle is persistence. How persistent are you? You are very persistent. I mean, you, you haven't really hit that angle a whole lot in what you've said so far, but it's clear persistence mm -hmm. was a big, big part about what you did, and it paid yeah. off for you, right? Yeah. Well, even to your point, Walt, the fact that you're tapping, you're, you're getting Zoom to connect to StreamYard, and for those who don't know, it's probably a nightmare behind the scenes. I can only imagine. But the the thought behind that is you want better it's i would bet on somebody like you because you're doing what's more rare is more valuable and usually garners better results and mm. so the persistence i remember early in we had just started doing youtube a little bit a little bit earlier we said you know what audio is great we got to do youtube 
because YouTube was popping back then. Let's do it. We're going to do YouTube. And I remember seeing some high-level podcasters. They had these really nice teaser clips that they would have on their social media, and they had cut scenes and music and subtitles. And I said, mm, we got to find a way to do that. Gotta and Alan said, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and Alan said, all right, Kev, go YouTube it and figure out. Like, this is the program I think we should use. It's called Adobe Premiere. One of my friends is the director. He uses this program. It's great. All right, cool. So I did a bunch of Googling. I bought the program. I got a new laptop. And it took me 16 hours to make the first one-minute one minute teaser clip. It took me 16 hours. My laptop crashed three times. I had to buy an entirely <laughs> new laptop. And it, it really was that Walt and Sam. It was that thing of like, eh, is this really that important? But that, and I tell this all the time, that persistence over the lifetime of our business will probably make us millions of dollars. Because now that is something we provide to our clients. We never could have provided that to other people if I didn't go through the whatever it was, struggle or suffering. It felt like suffering at the time, for sure. <laughs> if we didn't go through that, we would never know the back end of that. So I have never quit tattoo to my arm. I mean, that that is my motto. I'm the never quit kid on Instagram. So the persistence thing, the one of the main reasons we've been able to make it is Alan and I are willing to crack our head against the walls more than other people. Just because we believe in the mission so much and we don't miss, we won't miss episodes. It's just non-negotiable, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, uploads in cars, airports. We take all <laughs> our equipment on the road with us. It, you know, we break down the entire studio and basically bring it with us. So with consistency and persistence, almost anything is possible. Obviously, you know, there are limitations. I'm not going to play in the NBA. I'm five foot four. It's not going to happen most likely, but Without consistency and persistence, almost nothing is. If you do not consistently dig a hole, it is not going to get very deep, no matter what, no matter what happens. If you do consistently dig it, it can go as deep as humanly possible, really. And by the way, height has nothing to do with it because I'm six foot eight and I'm not going to play in the NBA. Either, so. <laughs> <laughs> valid, valid. I'd pick you, though, and pick up. If, if I was picking you or me, I'd pick you, Walt, just give you the ball, see what you can do with I, I, it. I'm not, I'm not sure you really want to do that because I, I have <laughs> eyesight in one eye. I'm, well, I'm 65 years old. That's not exactly a young person anymore. Valid. I'm probably not your first choice. Maybe your fourth, <laughs> but, you know, not first one. No. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe one day we'll, we'll see. Maybe one day we'll see in real life. I'd like If that. we got real pickup game yeah that's possible yeah. i suppose yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if i can actually gauge the depth to the basket because when you have only one eye you have no depth perception right i'm actually uh legally blind in one eye as well so you are okay very, so you know what that's like very, right it's, yeah it's very interesting i remember i went to the eye doctor when i was i don't know in, in middle school or whatever, whatever it may have been and the the eye doctor said kevin must be doing terrible in school and he must not play any sports and my mom said no he's doing really well in in school and he makes all the all-star team uh the all-star <laughs> team for baseball and the doctor said i have no he can't even see i have no idea how he's doing it and i just said it's normal i don't know i i've never seen so i don't know what not seeing looks like it was mm. it was very interesting very humble it is interesting yeah that's cool I, well especially baseball I, that's an interesting sport for you to excel in i mean yeah well at high school level i can i can perhaps see it except perhaps on uh the level of of high school teams playing each other because there's at least going to be somebody there who has a fastball, but yeah. being able to detect the difference between a fastball and a curve when you don't have depth perception, that's hard. Yeah. That's fly really balls, hard. fly yeah, balls. Always go. got me 
Because you right? have, it, it's like it's right there, and then the next thing you know, it's thirty feet, and it's like I don't think so. I think it was supposed to land right here. <laughs> that was always a challenge for me. I never, I never really knew why. I didn't know why it was so difficult. Ground balls, line drives, those I was good with, but if it yeah. went too high in the air, it might as well have gone into space where you are. That, that might as well have been where the ball landed. Honestly, because I didn't play, I didn't play baseball. I played softball, but I would pitch despite my mm. height. I would pitch. Or play yeah. first base, and when I pitched, usually I, I was pitching because the team we were playing against was all these big muscular guys who've been working out the gym and hitting these massive line drives right at the pitcher who didn't want to be anywhere near the mound. And I had learned all I had to do was just keep my glove in front of the ball as it was coming at me, and I would catch it every time. I didn't have yeah. to be good at it. I just had to keep the glove in front of the ball. If I could do that, the ball would hit the glove. He'd be out three up, three down, and we're up. It'd be that yeah. simple. But you're right. With a fly ball, oh, it's an entirely different thing because, okay, oh, how yeah. far is that one? Oh, whoa, whoa, that one's way out. Oh, my God. I mean, and, and you're behind at that point. You, you, yeah. it's, it's not not enough time to catch up to it. So, yeah. yeah. I totally Real struggle. That. Real yeah. struggle. Yeah. But nevertheless, you managed to be an all-star. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good. That, that, that's a real accomplishment. I was, I was really good. I mean, I don't know how. I made every – I got recruited by, like, travel teams. I got – Offers from colleges, not like crazy colleges. I definitely was not going to, you know, play in the in the yeah, major. Like no, 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 no. They they must have sent it to the wrong mailbox. I didn't get that one. You're right, right. But but I mean, I made I made an all star team every t- every. I played from nine till senior year in high school, and every every year younger, I made the all star team. I was always in the newspaper in high school for like having wow. a pretty pretty close to the top batting average. I was I was. I just think that's one of the things I'm just naturally talented at. I, there's some things that I am just terrible at. I cannot play basketball to save my life. It's just not something I can easily do. But when I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I picked it up very quickly, and I was rolling with people that were way better than me, and I was holding my own. So there's just certain things that mm. I think you, you have quantum abilities for and certain things you don't. I think also, though, it comes back to that persistence thing. I, yeah. I really do believe that's a, that's a, a huge piece of it because you're – I mean, your story really is a story of persistence. The whole thing is a story yeah. of persistence. Yeah, there's the struggle, yeah. the suffering, the, the four S's, all that kind of stuff. But you don't give up. You're like that pit bull who, once he gets his jaws <laughs> on something, forget it. It's over. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my identity, Walt. I think I was never I was never the, the biggest ever. I, I mean, I was never the biggest. I was never the strongest. What I lacked in physical capabilities I always made up for in the ability to in to suffer. Again, using that word, maybe it's not suffer, but I I would dive head first. I did front flips over the catchers. I used to try to wow. I would dive into the fence. I didn't care. I was reckless because I what I didn't have, I would try to make up for. I wanted to be a stuntman when I was young. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. My cousin mm. used to hit me over the head with chairs, like actual folding chairs. Ouch. Yeah, it was not a good idea at the time. No, that's what no, were, no. It's what they were doing we, on TV, Walt. Sam, we, we, don't I, recognize, know, like, we don't recommend this to oh, our I listening audience. Do not go there. Oh, Sam, no, you don't, don't do this. that. <laughs> don't do that. But, but then I, I wanted to become a professional fighter. That was my my goal. I was training mixed martial arts. I wanted to fight professionally. Mm, it's just, wow. it's always for me been, I, I don't mind getting my butt kicked. I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if I'm a glutton for for punishment, but I just think that my childhood, what I've gone through, the the struggles, it has prepared me in a wonderful way to do what I'm doing. And that has always been the through line for the guests we've had on the show. And maybe similar to you, Walt, your adversity becomes your advantage. The reason I believe in persistence so much is I had to to stay alive. 
I just, I think that's part of it. That's my identity. Never quit. I mean, that's my, that's my favorite motto in the world. So I happen to have that as my identity, which helps a lot. And it's definitely served me in many, many positive ways. I'm willing to also bet that uh, your early upbringing, parents, family, all that kind of thing, probably encouraged that in some way. Yeah, because sure. if you if you're encouraged in that way from a young age, you're going to just kind of eat it up. It's just yeah. going to become part of your identity pretty quickly. Yeah. It won't take very long. Yeah, because I was raised raised by my mom and grandmother. Didn't I? Didn't mm-hmm. know my dad. Didn't meet my dad until I was mm-hmm. 27. Um, we did lower middle class. Didn't have a lot of money. We talked pretty often about how we were going to pay rent. So that was that was definitely there. But my growing up the stories in my family were my family members getting arrested. Like that was kind of what I heard about a lot when I was younger. One of my uncles got pulled over and the person who, the car, the police officer who pulled him over had to call for backup because he was so afraid of him. That was like, that just my family. And in this moment telling it, it's like, yeah, that's pretty wild. But for me, for me, it was just normal. It was was just normal. Right. So to your point, I think that's just been ingrained and I never had the education. I never, it was just pure work ethic. I, mm-hmm. so the job I had that I left to podcast full time, I was a foreman for a weatherization company. We would make state and government buildings more energy efficient. Okay. And the majority of our work, although I lived in New Hampshire, was in New Jersey. So oh, I traveled okay. every single week and we got to the end of a calendar year and I was on the road for 10 months out of the 12. Every single week. And when I was on the road, I was still working out five days a week. Oftentimes, we would work second shift. So we might work three to three to like nine o'clock on a Friday. We drive six, six hours home and I'd go straight to the gym and it would be three, four o'clock in the morning. I'd be working out. I'd go home and I'd just stay up. I didn't even sleep. So I just think that's the way I've been wired and hmm. it's hard to unwire that. I don't even know if I want it. I think no, I wouldn't. Why would, at why some would you? Point, it, it serves you so well. Why would you want to yeah, admire that? You know? I don't know. I think it, at some point, am I attracting the the, the struggle? Because it's like, well, I can handle well, this. Yeah. Give me this, you know? But you don't care about that. I, I think at some point for quality of life, I might. Like I used to sleep four hours a night. <laughs> there you, go. you know, it's like four hours a night's enough. It's like, ah, I don't know. In retrospect, I probably should have taken care of my... That's the phase I'm going through now is... Mm. Okay, I go to the gym. Awesome. I could eat better. I could sleep better. I'm very good about drinking water and that sort of thing. But there's some things that I could do better. If I really want to get to the next level, the next, next level, then I have to start taking care of myself holistically. It doesn't matter that I do better than most or better than many or better than average. That's not good enough. I want to do better than I do and and the best that I can do. So, yeah, it's it's always there's always room for improvement no matter what you're doing. Where does enjoyment fit into it? Because that was one of the first points you made at the top of the show here about how important it is to enjoy what you're doing. Mm. So as we're talking about this segment here, where does the enjoyment level come into, first of all, figuring out whether or not you're willing to continue to go at something like the pit bull, and second of all, deciding when you're going to make a shift? Yeah. It's, it's a real challenge, honestly. It's a real challenge because when you're doing something you love, it's not as bad. The the struggle, the suffer, whatever it is, whatever version that you're in, whatever phase you're in, isn't nearly as bad. So I think that humans, they have to have three beliefs that they want to take an action. It's possible. 
it's so humanly possible. Is it humanly possible to get to 900 episodes? Yes. Many people have done it. Is it possible for me? Can I, Kevin Palmieri, get to 900 episodes? With the right level of belief and work ethic? Yes, absolutely. Why not? As long as I just keep showing up. The third one, and I think this is where a lot of people, they get stuck. Will it be worth it? Will it be worth it if I do get through to the other side to do all of this stuff I have done? I don't think a lot of people believe it will be worth it, so they don't know how to enjoy it. I think you'd enjoy it more if you knew on the other end there was gold or chocolate or pizza or whatever you're looking for. So I am blessed because I get to do this for many hours a day. You know, I do a minimum of 14 podcasts a week, a minimum. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just, I love it because this is what I, this is what I wanted. But Mm -hmm. I just think you have to have that honest conversation with yourself of, do I love what I'm doing? Is it because of the results I'm garnering or is it because of the process? Is it because I'm motivated by the money or the mastery or the impact or the status of it? I just think you have to understand yourself. It's self-awareness. It's self-awareness. Why are I you agree. doing what you're doing? And yeah, I agree totally. What, what, what are you looking for? Yeah. Like, One of my favorite questions to ask people is what would make what you're doing feel successful? Like when you start a podcast, I always say this to my clients. We get to the end of year one. What makes you feel successful? Like what is the actual? Is it X amount of listens, X amount of clients, X amount of speaking engagements? Because I don't know what you're actually looking for in terms of what are the markers that's going to help you actually enjoy this. And that's a whole, I mean, I think happiness is very result driven. Happiness is based on if I eat this pizza, I will be happy then versus fulfillment is if I maximize my potential and I impact as many people as possible, that entire process is fulfilling. So that's another layer under checking in with the, with the self and the self-awareness of, am I, do I even understand what I care about as a human being? That's a whole nother layer, another conversation really. I think you're really on the right track here when you say you have to ask that conversation with yourself. That's really what it yeah. comes down to. I mean, for myself, when I started the podcast, like I said, I, I was starting it mainly. I figured it, it was my only solution at a point in time where I had no solutions. Mm-hmm. I was so broke. I couldn't, the way I like to tell it is I, I was so broke. I couldn't hire a coach. I couldn't even afford to buy a book, but I needed to get help. So how do you get help when you can't afford to hire or buy anything? You start a podcast and you have guests on. <laughs> yeah. There it is. You just, you just had a whole bunch of experts coming out. So that's why I started. But you mentioned year one. After year one, I had a different reason, one that I didn't expect, one that kind of surprised me. What surprised me was how much I loved doing it. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it to, to solve a, a huge economic problem. But after doing like the first 20, 25 episodes, I was saying, wow, I like this. This is really good. I wonder if I could do this all the time. I mean, this is wonderful. I'm really enjoying that. I never would have predicted that when I started. It never would would have been part of my thought process. So for me, part of it is being ready to adapt to what your experience is and then also adapt your goals along the way because of what you're experiencing. A hundred percent. And I wonder, looking back, Walt, I used to drive a truck. When I would drive a truck, I would be in that thing for eight hours a day. And I used to listen Mm -hmm. to the radio. Mm -hmm. And I used to listen to the morning show from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. And I thought to myself, imagine if you could talk on a microphone Nobody can see you. I mean, you could be wearing pajamas for all you want. And after the four hours, you get to go home. Imagine what kind of life that would be. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like 
retrospectively looking back, it makes a lot of sense that I'm doing what I'm doing. Before Facebook had like Facebook lives, I used to make videos. One of my videos was, you don't deserve happiness. You deserve what you work for. That was one of my first thoughts is everybody wants something, but they're not necessarily working for it. And I think that was in 2012. Okay. And that was long before I ever thought of having a podcast. I'm, I'm just curious for, for people out there, what did you think of in the past? What did you say? That would be an awesome thing to do. That Imagine if you could do that. Imagine if you could have that as your life. I wonder if that's part of your soul saying, hey, you'd be really aligned if you did this, you know? And then, then the limiting awesome. beliefs, then the doubts come in after. So my, my process for starting the show was a lot different than yours, Walt. Somebody interviewed me on their podcast. And at the end of it, I said this to my friend. I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. And he said, you know, you can, right? And I went out and bought the equipment. And that was the beginning of the journey for me. But it, it started with, imagine if you could do that for a living. Imagine, just imagine what your reality would be like. I, that's a powerful question. It's a powerful question. Oh, yeah. What are you imagining? What are you imagining? And it's something we don't spend enough time doing. No. We don't spend enough time imagining. We, we, no. we spend more time reacting. Yeah. I have a practice. Go ahead, Sam. Oh. I just realized recently how powerful imagination is. Like hearing, I heard from multiple like spiritual sources that like all creation begins with imagination. So something that I did a lot in my childhood, I'm like called to do a lot more. So this definitely resonates. With, with <laughs> I love well, it. You've been have... given permission is basically what happened there. You, yeah. you gave yourself permission and you've been given permission. Yeah. It's so powerful. I have a, I have a practice every day. I call it manifestation visualization. 10 minutes a day. I go on YouTube and I watch either a mansion tour or I watch a car review for a new Mercedes or whatever it may be. And I am just emotionalizing that. And I am imagining myself in that I'm making that normal. So you hear people talk a lot about manifestation. All manifestation is, is spiritually connecting to something. So uh, Mercedes, whatever it may be. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. I believe I am capable of attracting and sustaining a Mercedes into my life. Awesome. Then what is the next thing? You emotionalize it. You feel yourself in the car. You imagine what your house is going to smell like, what the breeze off the ocean is going to feel like. So you emotionalize it. The next thing you do is strategize. And this is the thing that people conveniently leave out the strategize part of how am I actually going to get that? And then the last part is you take action. You take action persistently and consistently. And then years and years and years down the road, if you do it right and you make the right shifts and you have the right mentors and all of those things, a lot of things have to go right for sure. But that's really all it is. It's taking something from your brain, bringing it into your heart, bringing it into your hands and your action takers, and then bringing it into reality. It just takes a long time usually. You mentioned the strategy piece. I imagine that you don't do something that I did do and wish I didn't. <laughs> uh, because for me, when I hear strategy, I'm really good at strategizing. But what that really adds up to is playing through the what ifs over and over and over again. Yeah. I don't actually get to the final stage of, well, put it into action because I'm constantly replaying the plans in my head. Whereas yeah. I don't think strategy really means the same thing to you. I think it's like, okay, here's my strategy. Go. I... I am somebody who's really good at taking action. My biggest weakness is awareness. So, okay, this is a good, this is a good analogy. I, I'm a big fan of sports betting. I like betting on football or mixed martial arts fight. I'm, I'm fights. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. 
And recently I realized that I need to level up my math. Alan is unreasonably intelligent when it comes to math. I said, hey, what do I do to get smarter at math? He said, just start taking online free college courses. I said, awesome, I'll do that, cool. One of the first ones was sports betting for some reason and how you can leverage it so no matter what you bet, you never lose money. There's a, there's a right algorithm for you to run. And the second I heard that, I looked it up and I started doing it myself. My awareness wasn't high enough to know that was the thing. I am very good at just taking messy action. I just don't usually have the awareness to get the result I want yet. That's my biggest, my biggest bottleneck is my lack of awareness. My, one of my biggest strengths is just messy action. I'll go mess it up a million times. I need often somebody to come in and say, well, have you ever thought of doing it this way? It's like, ah, interesting. I'll try that next time. And it usually, usually goes better. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because like you say, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. You very yeah. graciously just identified one for you. Mine's kind of on the opposite side of that because I have no trouble being aware of certain things coming my way. There are other things I'm oblivious to. But there are some things, you know, if, I, if I'm getting a signal off of something, I can be aware of it. My biggest problem is, is paying attention to the signal. I know it's there. I hear it's there. I can see it's there. I just don't, I, I doubt it. Like, well, no, 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 no. I, I should be able to just keep spinning my wheels here and get where I want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, of course, when but, you say it that way, it doesn't make any sense. But, but you know it. That's what it seems like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. You, you know it, right? And then it's like, what do you, what do you do? I think that's the next step is what do you, yeah. what do you do? You know, there's recognizing and then there's, I don't want to say fixing, but it kind of, there's recognizing, then there's redirecting. And I just think it's, it's that level of humility. There's a lot of things I'm just not good at. I, I'm not smart compared to Alan. I'm not as smart as my business partner. It just is a fact. It like in me not admitting that is only hurting me. There's a reason that Alan's the CEO and I'm not, it's my company. I made the company. I own 51%. I'm, I shouldn't be the CEO. That's not my strength. Money is my strength. I'm good at, at at making money and focusing on money, and I'm good at being consistent. I track the finances every day. I don't miss ever. I track the listens every day. I don't miss ever. I I don't miss. I have 25 habits I do every day. That's wow. my job. That's my job. That's when I, you know, I'm I get to do this full time. I should be able to do all those things. But there are other things that I'm just not as good at. And humility, having the hungry humility, the humility to admit, look, I'm just. I'm weak in this arena, but the hunger to say, but how do I get better? That's okay. It's okay not to be great at everything. Nobody is. Some people just don't admit it. Well, that's self-awareness right there. Yeah, 100%. I mean, humility is certainly an accurate way of describing it, but really it's just, are you aware of yourself? Do you yeah. know yourself well enough to know this is what I do well, this is what I don't do well? And the things that I don't do well, I probably should not be in charge of. The things that I do well, I should definitely be in charge of. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to reverse that formula. Reversing the formula leads to all kinds of frustration. I know because yeah. I've tried it. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But then there's part of it too, Walt, of I think a lot of people are afraid to, I don't want to say afraid, maybe ashamed to admit what they're actually good at. We're taught not to, don't Ooh, speak up. Interesting, interesting. You I know like what I mean? Talk about that. That's a whole other thing. When I went on a podcast recently, and this was very hard for me to say, I said, I want you to understand there's a very high likelihood that I know more about podcasting than Joe Rogan does. I know that sounds crazy, but you got to understand Joe Rogan didn't have to study it to grow. He just started it and went. He had people. He's never edited a video. People do that for him. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the art, he's really good. He's one of the best interviewers in the world. Oh, in yeah. terms of the behind the scenes business, Joe Rogan doesn't know anything about the business of podcasting. 
He doesn't have to. There's no necessity. But I got off that interview and I was like, oh my goodness, if anybody hears that, they are going to think I am so arrogant. They're going to think I'm so <laughs> arrogant. But I've studied the industry. Walt, I'm sure you know more about podcasting than most people. You have more episodes. You know, and I think that you have to I am I think sometimes I'm humble to a fault because I don't think I deserve accolades. Mm. And I think that's that's a wiring that a lot of people have. It's not humble to say that you're not good at something if you're only saying it because you don't want somebody else to say it and make you feel bad about yourself. Something about admitting when people poke fun at themselves, I think it's because it would hurt worse if somebody else did it. I really do believe that. I'm the first to call myself short because I don't want somebody else to do it. Right? I don't think that's true humility. I think that's, from my perspective, it's me being a coward sometimes, really. But Well, either that or you, else it's self-protection. Self-protection, yeah. But I think I'm, if I'm in the public eye, I'm going to get, you know, if that's the worst thing that anybody ever says to me, hey, you're short, I think I'm doing pretty good. And I, I have to make sure <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I become, I become aware of that, right? If you're in the public eye, people are going to, people are always going to have something to say. But really check in with that if you're listening to this. If you're the type of person who struggles to take compliments, you're probably also the type of person who struggles to take the wins out of your life. People are really good at finding the losses. Really good. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I did this wrong. Awesome. Tell me five things you did right. Just give me five things you did right every day for the rest of your life. I guarantee you start to look at yourself a little bit differently. I love that. I absolutely love that. In fact, you're reminding me of a conversation I had with one of my co-hosts. I actually have a whole bunch of co-hosts for <laughs> different shows. And one of them, uh, she, she actually is on a sabbatical right now, but she's been doing the show with me up until this past March for like five years, something like that. And during that time period, we've gotten to know each other real well. I've picked up so much good stuff from her. One of the things that she talked about uh, on a number of occasions was her own inability at one point in her life to accept something given to her. And to give you an example, a very classic example, you're out to dinner with a friend and the friend says, I'll get that. And your, 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 your response is, oh, no, no, I've got the bill. Like you can't even accept having somebody buy the, the, the dinner for you instead of turning it around and saying, wow, I really appreciate that. I am willing to accept a gift that is given to me. I thank you for it. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and just totally buying into it and feeling it and recognizing it and appreciating it and all that kind of thing. It's an entirely different vibration. Yeah. And learning the difference there is one of the one of those many things I picked up along the way about how do you get yourself into a better space? How do you become a more developed human being? One way, appreciate gifts when they're given to you. Mm. I think that's vulnerability, really. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I think there's a level of vulnerability in saying thank you or saying, wow, I can't believe like, that means so much to me. Alan and I were in Florida for a speaking engagement. And... My, so it's weird because it's my, one of my ex-girlfriend's mom, it's her mom, <laughs> but she was, she's always been a supporter of the podcast and the business. And she's been a guest on the show a couple of times nice. and she Venmoed me a hundred dollars or $200 and she's very intuitive. She's very empathic. And she said, I, I know you've always struggled to receive in the, in your past. You need to unwire that. Here's, here's a couple wow. hundred dollars. And wow. it was very interesting. And we ended up spending it on dinner with one of our friends, which was nice, but that was a lesson for me. That was a lesson. I'm not, I don't think I am good at receiving. I don't think I feel worthy often. And I think, again, this is what I'll say too, Walt and Sam. So many people talk about learning. I have a bookshelf behind me. It's got books on it. The, the thing that I don't think gets talked about enough is the process of unlearning. Learning is amazing, but you have to unlearn stuff that's wired in you since you're five, six, 10, whatever the age is. 
that really is running your life. Adding new stuff is awesome, right? But if you add new soil on old soil, you're still sprouting the seed from something that might be toxic. So that is that is my theme of 2022 is unlearning stuff that is no longer and may never have been serving you in the first place. Yeah, it's, we call those tapes, and those tapes can haunt you. They, they can mm-hmm. just wreck your life. And, and that's usually what happens because that's what makes them tapes. They keep playing over and over again until you finally wipe the tape or replace it with another tape. They're going to continue to play over and over again. And the worst part is when we don't recognize that it's a tape playing and we start saying, well, it's because this person treated me that way or that event happened or that experience. or It's all the external stuff. And we don't actually look inside and say, oh, wait a minute. Is there a tape playing? Mm. Self-awareness. Well, that's, the, that's the through Once line again. of everything. Yeah, it really is. Well, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm sad because I'm loving this conversation and I Likewise. hate to have it come to a close, but <laughs> you have to do it at some point. So we're going to do that. But before we do that, you got to give people a few pieces of information. First of all, tell them how do they find Next Level University. I'm sure it's pretty easy okay. to do, but tell them anyway. I appreciate it. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this, search it. If it's on Apple, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Just search Next Level University, seven episodes a week, every day. And also we're on YouTube as well. All of our episodes are on YouTube under Next Level University. So we aim to be in your pocket every single day from anywhere in the world for free. That is that is our goal. That's a great goal. By the way, you, you, you've won up me. I don't know if you knew that. I only do it five days a week. I take the weekend off. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many do you have total, Walt? How many episodes? Uh, over 1,600. I'm not sure what the exact count is. My goodness. But, uh, yeah. Good for you. That's Well, awesome. you asked the question earlier. You know, how, do you, how do you aim for that? I never aimed for it. I never thought in terms of how many episodes I would do. Yeah. It's when I got there, I said, how did I do that? <laughs> I mean, it was not, it was not part of the conversation. You just, how do you get there? You just do it. That's all. You do the episodes because you love them. I think that's really the answer. I got there well, because congrats. I was doing them. Well, thank congrats. you. Congrats. Yeah. I, that's, that's 1% of 1% of 1%. That's, that's a number that most people never get to. So I, I admire and I respect that very, very much from one podcaster to another. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And that, that's me practicing taking the gift in. So thank you for, yes, for the gift. Yes, of but course. more than that, you, you know what it is? I, I, you already know this. It's the love of it. Mm. I mean, yes, you have, I, I admire you for you've turned it into a, a financial career as well. That's something I'm still working on. But you know as well as I do, the only reason you really keep going to do all those 900 is because you're loving every one of them. Yeah. If you didn't love yeah. it, you probably, yeah, well, knowing you, you probably would have powered your way through anyway, you know, just from what <laughs> I've learned about you in the last hour. But at some point, you would say, God, am I, is this really worth doing all this? I don't love this. Yeah. But you do love it. I do. And that, I, I think I'm what blessed. love actually does is it sustains us. It sustains us yeah. through hard times. It sustains us through difficulties. It sustains us through adversity because, hey, well, we still love doing the thing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's what it was in the start. It's better. It's better now than it was in the beginning. I get to episode seven of our show. I said, I want to wake up when I want. I want to podcast. With, I want to be my own boss. That was literally my dream. So, but again, I'm guilty just like everybody else. Some days I wake up and I think, I'm not going to do this today. I forget. I have, I have moments of, of forgetfulness where I forget how blessed I am. So I, I'm human just like anybody else, but I try to remind myself pretty quickly. Look, at one point you'd be crawling through an attic somewhere in New Jersey. So be grateful you're in front of this microphone in your home. Like be, be grateful. So, but I appreciate it. I love that. An attic in New Jersey. I mean, that, that's basically a perspective that, you know, you, it's real for you. It, it like that, that Too real. up your life. Cause you've been there. You know exactly what yeah. that's like, right? Yeah. Too, yeah. too well. That's a great thing. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the program of course. and for sharing your expertise, sharing all of your, your, your wonderful story. I mean, I've, I've just, I feel like it's been a pleasure to, to get to know you. So thank you very much. 
I appreciate both of your time. Walt, Sam, it has been a genuine pleasure. Anytime I'm excited to come back if you ever need somebody to, to come back on. So I appreciate the time very, very much. And Sam, thanks so much for uh, the improv at the top of the hour. That was great. As usual. I mean, you always hit that, that, that top spike and you did it again. But nice job. Uh, well, thank you. Good to do it. And yeah, thank Loved you, Kevin. It. This has been great. I appreciate it, Sam. Thank you. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere because, hey, guys, you make it really worthwhile to be a podcaster. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.